Let's be blunt. Dating sucks. So you've got two options. Give up. Or get dinner. Maybe have some company join you. Ask her along. Ask him along. Could be fun, right? And it will most certainly lift your spirits. Time to find out how easy it really is on the It's Just Dinner podcast. Now here are your hosts with all the answers, Tom Robinson and Bob Walls. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the It's Just Dinner podcast, where we are changing the dating culture one episode at a time. I'm your host, Tom Robinson, and sitting right across from me, my co-host, Bob Walls. Hello, Tom. How are you today? Good. Welcome. Good. Exciting day on the podcast. It really is an exciting day. We have a great guest. Yes, we got, we're big time. We got the big guest today. It's the big show. <laughs> we, are, we, ha- we are here with Tammy Hill. Yes. She's our guest today. Welcome, Tammy. And Tammy is a marriage and family therapist. So I think mm-hmm. she can give us a lot of information. So she actually knows what she's talking about. She does, about. yeah, unlike the two of us. <laughs> That's a little scary. we she, got somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. She also hosts her own podcast called Live Your Way. Live Your Why? Why? Yeah, oh. which I think you'll as, really as like. As W-H-Y? Yes. Okay. And then she's also a professor here at BYU. She teaches a marriage prep and marriage enhancement. Oh. We'll ask her to talk a little bit about I just have to say that she is a superstar here hmm. at Brigham Young University. Wow. I have so many people talking about her, how much they love her and her class. And they say, look, you need to have her on your podcast. So finally, we have her. Tammy, welcome. Thank you. Man, you make me sound good. Wow. <laughs> how, how long have you been at uh, BYU, Tammy? Uh, this is my 10th year. Oh, great. Yeah. And tell us, tell us uh, exactly what classes <laughs> is that you teach here at BYU. Okay. I teach marriage preparation. I was hired 10 years ago to teach marriage preparation. And then I'm also a sex, a certified sex educator and therapist. And so a few years after that, I was asked to co-develop the curriculum for the first sexuality class taught on campus. And I taught that for several years, healthy sexuality and marriage. And then um, I was invited to start a new class called marriage enhancement. And so right now I'm teaching marriage preparation and marriage enhancement. Very exciting. That's great. And winter semester, excuse me, winter semester next year, next semester is my last semester teaching live on campus. So Hmm. they better take classes soon if they want to. That's right. Well, sign up, kids. Uh, And so, you know, our wheelhouse we're talking more about is in the dating side of this, the marriage side of it. That's uh, for for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So our premises here is just the relationship development because uh, we've seen, and maybe you can speak to this, that, that our observation is that there is less opportunity for people to make good, strong relationships because they don't have conversations like they used to. And maybe you've seen change over the last 20 years, over the last 40 years, you know, we've seen a big change in the dating culture at BYU. Uh, back when, you know, 40 years ago when I was here, it was Datorama and everybody went on dates. And I think there's been a lot of reasons that that has changed. But have, have you noticed a big shift in the dating culture here at BYU and also uh, in the millennial generation? Um, over the 10 years, I don't know that I've seen a huge shift, but I know definitely in the last 40 years, there's been a significant shift in what dating looks like. I really encourage my students to reframe dating to just making a friend, just go oh, make a friend that. and do something fun. And I, if I could wave my magic wand and change one thing on campus, it would be that dating had nothing to do with affection, romance, physical connection, wow. that it would just be about getting to know people and making friends. 
That she, she should be a permanent guest on our podcast. Be, yeah, she should be, should be a exactly, co-host. Yes, here. that's exactly what we think here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what our <clears throat> podcast has been about. Because what we're trying to do is young adults to just go sit down at dinner or a hot chocolate or an ice cream and just sit and talk. And like <laughs> you said, become friends. Sometimes it turns into a dating experience. Sometimes it doesn't. But what we try to explain is that it's really important just to make a friend. Yes. I think that there's a significant shift. When I talk to my students about how was it when you were serving a mission, some of my students, a lot of them have served missions, and I'm not saying that you need to have served a mission, but when you're on your mission, if you make eye contact with anyone, you are pursuing and you're That's talking right. to them. And what happens from the mission field to BYU campus, I don't get it because <laughs> you're not even looking people in the eyes, you're not smiling, you walk across campus with your ear pods in. So I encourage them from day one to not have headphones or be on their phones at all while they're walking across campus, but to smile, make eye contact with people and say hello. I believe that's so, so important. Just the human, what you would be doing on your mission to connect, to get to know someone is exactly what you need to be doing here on campus to get to know someone. That's so true. And and what I've found is that these, these kids, both the males and the females, are such experts at knocking on doors or meeting people on the street and talking to them and introducing themselves. And then you're right. They come home, they come to BYU, and then they are afraid to do that. They're afraid to talk mm -hmm. to people. Now, Bob and I have a lot of theories of why that yes. is. Theories and, that we've just made up out yeah, of we, thin air. And we, we've somewhat <laughs> tested them. And I think one of the ones is that, you know, that, that dating has been so discouraged in, in our, in our, and I think they come home and they're just very nervous about doing it. So what do you think, how do you think we can change the culture at BYU? Is there anything that we can do or we can tell the kids here on our podcast that would help them to understand how to kind of get out of this I mean, you talked about smiling, you talked about saying hi, you talked about listening. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what are your theories and how do we develop that or change that? I guess going back to what I said initially is that dating is a really loaded term. When you talk about a date, it has to include attraction and all of the physical aspects of romance. And I think if we were to take that out of the equation and just have it be focused on getting to know someone and making a new friendship, that would certainly help a significant. I think that we need to learn how to flirt. I oh. teach I teach yes. how to flirt. And I haven't people how to flirt. What do you do? What's that all about? I do, and I call it the ACT formula. Um, not like the test that you take, but a different <laughs> formula where you're animated, meaning that you are engaged and making eye contact, smiling, have facial expression as you're listening to the person you're with, that you're really involved in, in listening and in talking. So animation. Um, C is closeness meaning that you, you're not too far, you're not too close, but you're maybe 12 inches or so away from this person as you're talking to them. And T stands for touch, that when you finish this conversation, you reach out and do some type of touch. I really encourage the elbow touch. There's actually been research done that says an, al an elbow touch is a, a, a touch where you 
you reach over and you kind of gently squeeze the person's elbow that you've been talking to and say, it's so nice to get to know you or thank you for visiting with me today or whatever it is, but you gently squeeze the elbow. And the research is that elbow touching signifies an interest that you're actually interested in someone, which gives that person more comfort and confidence in reaching out to want to date you. And so I suggest the elbow touch all the time. Um, so A, C, T, animation, closeness, and some type of touch. That's great. You know, I, I have tried to convince the young women that that elbow touch is something they should do a lot more often. And I, I always tell them that when you do that, it actually sends a shock wave through the boy. And uh, it like grabs the, it really grabs their attention because mm -hmm. our our boys are a little, as you know, like hesitant to kind of get involved uh, with anything. So yeah, I love these. I love this flirting. Now, the problem that I've had with flirting is that it has such a bad reputation that I talk about flirting and they think that it's kind of this crazy like like the like a cheerleader in high school would do. So it has this big stereotype with it. How do you convince them that it's that flirting is not? that, that it is this simple as ACT? Well, I really like to emphasize that none of this is a game to anyone. And if they're playing this as a game to manipulate or to coerce or in any way take care of their own needs by engaging with someone, then they're not really sincerely getting to make a friend. And so um, really to make sure you're doing this with someone that you really, you know, you, you're interested in getting to know them, not just because of the way they look, but because of maybe something they said in Sunday school that was really intelligent right. or because they're in a class with you and maybe you can study together and get to know them or you have similar interests at rock climbing or something. But to not play games with people, people's emotions, that's, un, that's unkind and it certainly is not Christ-like. What, what kind of reaction do you get from your students when you talk about the ACT philosophy? Oh, they're laughing. They laugh a <laughs> lot. And Is it a nervous laugh? <laughs> I think maybe a little bit at first. They get excited because I have a lot of assignments for them to utilize the ACT formula in their interactions with people. They're, they're optional experiential assignments. Um, that are really, really fun. They get very excited about those. So they, you, you talk to them about this, they actually go out and try it. Do they find out that it actually works? Yes, yes. And it's so fun. They, I ask them every time we meet at the first five minutes of class, what, what are you doing? What have you learned? What experiences have you had with the ACT formula or what experiential assignments have you done? And um, one of the experiential assignments I do that gets a huge reaction, I've done it for about seven years now, is that I, I give them the option of a 14-day challenge where they ask someone that they're friends with already if they would be willing to exclusively date them for 14 days. <laughs> and wow, I, I make sure that. that <laughs> I make sure they explain, first of all, this, they can totally blame it on me. This is my, I have a crazy <laughs> teacher and this is something I get points for. And, but also that you're doing it with a friend. So there's already established some type of connection and that absolutely there's no physical aspect in this 14 days that you are getting together 
once a day, communicating regularly and doing things that are enjoyable, that both of you enjoy, but absolutely no physical contact, no hand holding, no kissing, no making up. It's just all the kinds of things that you would do with a really good friend. And then at the end of the 14 days, they have a little DTR where they talk about how was that for you? And do you want to continue going forward exclusively? And, or do you feel like we've learned enough about each other? (laughs) Um, And at that DTR that so frequently, I've had over 300 weddings from the 14 day challenge. Wow. Wow. Um, that's success. Now, now, this isn't 14 dates in 14 days. This is just over a 14-day period that each of them initiates two dates each. So you're talking about four dates at least spread over the 14, over the two-week period? Right, right. They But they can also, you know, an actual paid-for date, yes. But they also are, like, engaging together so either. they're a couple. They act like a couple. Yeah, they're a couple. Yeah. They're a couple right then. Um, and they're, they're communicating, they are walking across campus, they're calling, they're texting, how, how's your day going, and those mm-hmm. types of things. I, and I love what the goal is, is for, that you talked about, is to get them to make a friendship, that to enhance a friendship, mm-hmm. to understand how easy it is to talk to someone and to be with someone and to actually be friends with someone. Now, now why do you think, uh, out of doing this, that those 300 people uh, who did this challenge, that that translated into a romantic relationship that resulted in a marriage. What, what, what was the, the magic here that happened from them from doing this for 14 days? Well, I believe from all of the feedback that I get from the students is even if they don't move forward into a committed relationship, is that they enjoy getting to know each other as friends without having any of the pressure that it has to be romantic. Oh, interesting. So so it sounds like, and this is what we see too, that there's just so much pressure right now in getting married mm-hmm. that, that a lot of times the, the objective isn't developing a relationship. The objective is getting married. Right. And, and so there seems to be a tendency I, to want to jump the relationship into the marriage, which is not a, a real healthy thing to do. I, I, I agree jumping towards something physical I don't know that kids are really in a rush to get married. Statistically, we're not much different than the world um, right now. We were earlier on as LDS people, mm-hmm. but we I think that they think that dating is making out and that the way that society has perpetuated dating is including sex. And so they might not be including sex, but they're including a lot of physical touch. And so I think they go from getting, you know, maybe getting to know each other to right to making out. And there's none of this getting to know someone, getting to really trust someone, learning to rely that you can rely on this person and then moving into the physical touch. And so I, I just think the problem that I, I see and what I believe is on both ends of it that I see on campus and then I see in my office working with couples where they come in after nine, 12 months of marriage and they don't have anything in common. And <laughs> it's because during the dating phase and engagement phase, they they really weren't doing things that were real life activities. They weren't really getting to know one another as as uh, individuals and and making goals as far as what 
you really want to pursue as an individual. And a lot of their time has been spent making out rather than getting to know and trust a person. So I believe it's not so much jumping into marriage anymore. It's more you jump into a physical relationship. Interesting. Now, and I'm looking at some of your other experiential assignments. The 14-day challenge to get 17 points. So that's, I think, <laughs> is that your highest point total? That's that's the one that you yes. get the most value out of? But, but I understand there's yes. another one here that's seven points, and that's cooking a meal together. So, so that same, I would just do two meals together because <laughs> to get 14 points. Um, but you, it looks like you put a lot of weight in cooking a meal together. Is that something that you found that's very important in relationship development? Well, I think anything that is a real life activity is essential for couples to who are being friends and then moving into dating relationships to do. I. I think a lot of times dating is, you know, you look good, you smell good, you're spending money. Um, it's all this fun stuff. But marriage isn't an extension of a dating relationship. It's an extension of real life. And you're going to not have a lot of money to spend. And sometimes you don't look that great. And a lot of times you don't smell so great. <laughs> and so with all of that, I just really uh, do put an emphasis on real life activities where you're doing cooking, where you're babysitting for people, where you're serving other people in yard work or whatever it is you're doing, but that it's a real life type of thing. And I found a study that was done that they were looking at uh, the number one words that were used when describing an ideal first date. Um, and for the women, the number one one was dinner. But, mm. And for the young men, it was dinner, but they also added to cook a dinner with their mm. date. Mm. Um, oh, so, so young women, invite a young man over to, to cook a dinner with you. Right. It's one of the things they really enjoy doing. Mm. Now, now, I noticed another and thing. And grocery shopping before that. Get your groceries. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Buy the groceries I've together. said that many times that it's just groceries. <laughs> yeah. It's just grocery shopping right. because I've had a lot of kids tell me, that it's so much fun to go to the grocery store and you, you talk and you laugh and you get your groceries. So, yeah, I've seen mm -hmm. that as a really fun activity. But the, the title is just groceries didn't sound as good for our podcast. It didn't work as, as well just for the podcast. Dinner. But we'll think about that. Now, now another one I, you have on your list is the ultimate. This is five points. You walk up to an unknown person and ask him or her if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend. If not, ask her on or him on a date. D did you find a lot of people are afraid to do this? Is this a yeah, scary that's thing? Fun. That's really frightening to most people. I haven't had, that's not one that I hear a lot that students. <laughs> they don't pick that one up. <laughs> now, now, why do you think that is? Well, that's totally puts them out of their comfort zone completely, right? Mm -hmm. Going up to a complete stranger and asking them to go on a date with well, you. Well, do you think There's more people should try that? that? I... I think more people should maybe walk up to someone and say, I really like your shoes. Where did you get them? And then start talking about things and find commonalities that you share and then figure something out that you can do together that you already have kind of some type of common interests. That's great. So, so it seems that just walking up to someone that you don't know and asking them on a date cold would probably put you at the risk of a lot of rejection. Now, now, is that sure. the point here so that they can understand, <laughs> they can feel <laughs> rejection, they can learn from failure? I don't know that that's maybe that's part of it. I 
I just think we okay to do things that are uncomfortable. I always right. say to my, my students and my clients that I'm perfectly comfortable with your discomfort. And I think we are a society that doesn't like to be uncomfortable. And the more we are able to put ourselves into uncomfortable, but good situations, um, the more we grow and we come out on the other side more confident and able to do that again with less anxiety. Now, I've heard this a lot, and you'll have to confirm this or deny this, but I've heard there's this thing called Rejection Tuesday. <laughs> now, is, is that true? The students have talked about it. Is that true? Well, it's something I've heard about, and I, so I reframe that to take hold of yourself Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> and what do take you mean by that? Yourself. So if you are rejected, then turn it around and say, okay, what did I learn from that rejection? Right. Take hold of yourself, account for what you did that maybe wasn't the coolest or uh, what what will you do a little differently next time? You know, d instead of just moping that you were rejected as you tried something, learn from your rejection and take hold of yourself and choose to do it a little different next time. I try to help them understand that it's it's okay. It's okay that you got rejected. We all get rejected and it's right. okay. But like you said, learn from it um, and mm -hmm. try to create something different. And so then you can, you get better from that. Right. Rejection is a part of life. And um, what you do with it is how we grow and progress. And that's what we're here for, right? To progress. Yes, in fact, it's so funny you say that because I tell my students that, that this is part of the plan we signed up for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this idea of rejection and pain is part of what we signed up to do. And so we have to learn from that and get better from that. Right. Even, you know, going back to the mission comparison is were you ever rejected on your mission? And of course, right. you're always rejected on your mission. So did you give up or what did you do? And um, oh, really bring that, bring those experiences that you've already learned from and transition into them to real life now, not just the mission, but now this is real life. You've learned social skills that that are really important for you to still use. So, so, so Tammy, one of the things that our observation over the last many, many years of working and serving in the church is that we found that not the church doctrine, but the local church leaders we wanted to help the young men to get out on missions. And so missionary service became our number one priority. So in many cases, the young men when they were 12 were told, look, just stay away from the girls. And when they were 14 and when they were 16, they were told, well, you don't really have to date, just go on group dates. So we found in our YSA wards that there were a lot of young men who had never asked a girl out on a date. Never been on a date. And never, never been on a date prior to their mission. And then in many cases, in their final interview, the mission president would say, well, Elder, now your responsibility is to go get married. And so many of them came to BYU looking to get married, to fulfill the, the assignment from their mission president, without knowing how to uh, engage in a conversation with a girl, let alone develop a relationship. And, and so we kind of found that they were somewhat uh, inadequate in their abilities to communicate with girls because they'd always been taught to stay away from them. And on the mission, that's reemphasized re a lot. You know, you have to <laughs> completely stay away from girls. So, so we've, we kind of feel that culturally that we have kind of done this to our young men to some extent because we put missionary service, which is very valuable, and we said, well, what are the speed bumps to missionary service? Well, girlfriends 
or speed bumps because they might fall in love or they might have immorality problems. And so if we just eliminate girls from their lives between 12 and, and 18, then they'll go out and be great missionaries. And I think they were and are. I think right, they are right. great missionaries. But, but do you see that in your practice or in your, um, in, in your counseling or in your classes that, that we seem to have a difficulty with young men coming back from the mission with no skill set to be able mm-hmm. to initiate a conversation or a relationship? I know there's some there are. There's some that are good salesmen. They're fine. We don't have to worry about them. But, but we seem to have a lot of young men that just were not dating at all. Yeah. I, I, it's sad when you have a 22 or 23 year old that has never been on a date or asked a girl on a single date. That to me is very immature. And I believe anytime we are cold, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know if you want to keep this in your podcast or not, but I think that as a church society, we're very immature with our sexual development. And instead of really talking to people about their sexuality, that they don't have to feel ashamed or feel guilty when they have desire or feel sexual arousal, that those are part of the natural progression in in mortality and as a gift that we've been given. And instead of keeping people away from or yeah, to me, that's fear. You're saying you can, you shouldn't be with a girl alone until you're home from your mission. That means you're t- you're you're teaching them to be afraid right. of, of women or you're teaching them to be afraid of sexual feelings or or sexual thoughts. And and what so much more important is to talk about the friendship. I go back to that over and over again about making this about getting to know someone. And maybe there will be things that you're interested in and you start having sexual feelings or or thoughts that come along while you're dating. And instead of being ashamed of them and staying away from people or giving into them and having no control, is it, you learn to morally develop with those and as parents, we sit down and talk about, you know, well, what's what's the best thing you can do in this situation? How do you think we should manage that, the desire arousal that you're feeling? I think that we are creating a group of very immature young people so true. Who, who are not set up for success relationally by the time they're 22 and 23. And to me, that's a shame. It really is. And I, I will tell you this, and Bob, you know this, that in the new for strength of youth, it mm-hmm. says that that the young men and young women can go on dates, one-on-one dates at 16. And I'm so excited that's in there. And quite honestly, Tammy, I want you to know I take full credit for that. Good for you. But I hope the parents and the, the leaders, I hope they read that. I hope they understand that and tell them because it's exactly what you're saying. It's about friendships. It's about talking. It's about learning. It's mm-hmm. about developing. It's about getting out of that maturity or getting into that immaturity that's really going to help these young men and young women to face some of the issues that they're going to have that they're going to be faced with. So I 100% agree with everything that you've said. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. You. It, it you know being working as a church leader as a bishop uh, you get a lot of blowback when you have these discussions from usually young women's presidents <laughs> who, who will not let go of the fact that they think that dating is a post-mission activity and that only group dates before the mission. And that, that seems to be not a church doctrine, but just a common thing. And, and the other thing that I get a lot of pushback is if you ever talk about touch 
it's like you're advocating immorality. Right. And, and so I noticed that you have a couple of things here. One uh, on your experiential learning is hand-holding. If a date has gone well and the timing seems right, initiate hand-holding and see how your date reacts. And then the, uh, that's uh, two points, but five points is, is practicing appropriate touch to convey your care and love for someone close to you. Uh, for five days, try and find some way to touch them at least once each day. A comforting hug, an encouraging high five, a slap on the shoulder, a nice foot rub. Pay attention to how your feelings toward them change over five days. D do you find that sense of that w w there's some of the young people who've been taught and, and that that is uh, giving someone a foot rub would be improper? And so do you see that touch as a, a kind of a, a hurdle that we have in relationship development? Absolutely. Like I say, the immaturity with how we teach around sexuality in the church is so frightening because our theology is absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> the theology we have around sexuality is so beautiful. And we don't teach that. We, the only time we teach about repentance in any youth lesson is with chastity. Now, isn't that cra so crazy? That's so really lying, sad. stealing, cheating, none of that. You don't have to repent of those. It's just this. And I think we establish such fear and shame. I hope we're doing better. I, the, my life, adult life work has been to trying to get this to be better. And I hope that it's going better. But yeah, I, I do have that touching assignment in there. I think learning that you can touch in appropriate ways that don't need to lead to to nickmos or or making out or any of that. It just can be a loving, friendly touch. And there's so much that we feel with our touch. There, a touch creates, so, evokes so much emotion. That's why I think it's so important for relationships to wait for that physical, like actually kissing, that kissing should mean something. It's symbolic of something, uh, emotional intimacy. It's symbolic that you've gotten to a place in this relationship where you want to express your your affection towards this person because you know who they are and the longer we can postpone that physical like kissing kind of touch the the more the clarity that couples can have in the relationship where they're really getting to know one another and so these on that particular assignment that you were discussing those are different ways of touching that don't i don't think kids know how to touch it just goes from holding hands to making out. And right. so if we just have some other types of touch that you can do, you can have a lot of emotion that comes with that. And then stepping back and, and processing what, what did that mean to me? What did that make me feel? And what does it mean? And those are really important things to do. I think we need to get over teaching that, that there's some shame involved in that, mm -hmm. that, you know, that you have to be, and I, and I go, it goes back to immaturity. That, mm -hmm. that somehow that touching a girl or a boy and go we even go back to flirting that there's some shame in that that they shouldn't do that and so they're afraid to do it because of that and, and i think it, as a larger picture maybe you can talk to this tammy is that what it does is it really objectifies women and, and it makes the purpose of the relationship sex 
because you're told, well, wait till you're wait, wait till you're married, wait till you're married, wait till you're married to engage in sexual activity. And so for a lot of the young men, that's all the only anticipation they have of marriage <laughs> is the sexual part of activity because they've been told it's going to be so wonderful if you just wait. When the emphasis should be on developing relationship, right. and, and it doesn't seem to be that. And this isn't just in, in, in our culture. We've talked to many people that this is a, a national and a worldwide problem that dating has become dysfunctional. Oh, it is dysfunctional because dating means culturally not LDS culturally, but culturally in the U.S., it means that you're having sex. Right. right. And, and that, and then if that's all you're looking for in the relationship is the physical activity, you really aren't looking at women, for men, looking at women as partners or friends or companions. You're, you're only looking at them as objects. Right. Well, you're looking at what's going to fill my needs sexually, right? And right. so... Yeah, and it puts women in a real gatekeeping role, which isn't fair either, mm -hmm. that you need to be the one that controls them because they can't control themselves. You shouldn't wear oh, anything yeah. that shows your ankles because you don't know what they're going to be thinking. And and that's not fair to, to no, young women either. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so our big push here is we believe that the cure for this is for a young man to sit down and have a conversation with a young lady where they talk for an hour. And it's about conversation, it's about relationship development. And so that's why we, we, we push just going out to dinner because it's so easy to do to just share a meal, share a meal or a hot chocolate or a, a, an ice cream and engage in conversation where you make eye contact and you listen uh, for mm -hmm. an hour period of time. And at the end of it, the worst thing that can happen is that maybe you've made a friend mm -hmm. and had ice cream and and yeah <laughs> and and, and, and maybe had a good you know a meal you've gotten something to eat and, and so it's kind of baby steps i guess we would say of of what we need to do to help people to build back in that step of relationship development that we seem to have lost yeah i like that idea a lot i think just going to dinner is a nice way to say get to know someone. And I, I always encourage any type of dating, really serious dating to be involved with face-to-face -face eye contact where you're actually talking. And another thing I wanted to ask you, and um, as a bishop, I ran into this quite a bit where a young woman would come into my office and she would say, no one is asking me out. What's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard one to deal with. So what would you tell the young women about this? Well, that, it's, it's so common and it's so sad because amazing young women aren't getting asked out. As a matter of fact, there was a statistic that was Dave Dollahite wrote about a couple years ago about BYU culture where it's less than 8% of the girls are actually dating on campus. Oh, and, that's terrible. Wow. and so that leaves a good portion of the women, young women on campus, not having real dating experiences, which is terrible. It's unfair. What I tell people all the time is, look, it might be that, that you might have an opportunity to date and marry down the road. I can't guarantee that we're living in a different time now than we were 40, 50 years ago when most everyone ended up being married. What's more important than anything is for you to self-develop that you become the person, that's why I do the Live Your Why podcast, that you live aligned with what's important to you. You find out what makes you passionate about living and pursue it. Do what you can to self-develop because you ultimately you attract who you are 
not what you want. And so the more you go into developing you and liking you and having confidence and that personal maturity within your own life, that that's more likely you're going to attract someone that is feeling the same. And now so I, I continue to self-develop. Now I tell the young women, sometimes they'll, when I'm talking to them, I'll say, look, we kind of know the boys aren't going to ask anyone out. They're too afraid to do that. So just ask a young man to go to dinner with you. How do you feel about that? The young women uh, initiating the, the date? Well, I think we live in that egalitarian dating culture now. So personally, as a woman, I, I don't know what you know of my story, but my first husband passed away when I was 37. And I remarried a man five years later. And um, in that five years as a woman, a single woman with children dating, it's a vicious world out there. <laughs> and I, it's totally different and uncomfortable for me to pursue a man first. And so I can say that being egalitarian is totally fine. And I think in this generation, for most people, it probably is totally fine. But it's not something that I am able to do with my I guess with the generation that I grew up in. I'm going to tell you a funny anecdotal story here and get your comment. When I was in the state presidency, the area authorities came to us and said that the church leaders were worried uh, why the young uh, single adults of the church did not want to get married and why they were putting off marriage. And so that was an, an interesting question that they posed. We came up with a lot of different theories and everything. And so I decided to go and meet with every one of the bishops in our state. We had 10 bishops in our state. So I asked them this question of why they thought. And uh, it was interesting that six out of the 10 had the same answer. And they said, their moms tell them not to get married. Hmm. And, I, and I was shocked by that. And they said, their moms say, don't be stupid like I was and marry the first guy that comes around you go get a degree, you get a career so that you're not stuck at home like I am. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, a lot of times we put a lot of the pressure on the young men of saying, why aren't you getting married? Why aren't you getting married? But six out of the 10 bishops that I talked with said that it was the moms who were telling their daughters, don't run off and get married because that's what I did. And, you know, I, my life was ruined or, you know, or, or something. Or the ends, ends in divorce. Yeah, ends in divorce or the ends in not them not being fulfilled. Or, you know, we came from a culture where, uh, you know, back in the uh, 70s, 80s, you know, the women's place was in the home, you, you know, and, and we've gone from that to where a lot of women now have careers and that's more common to have two income families. And, and so, do you see that in your classes with your students where there's a, a drive to not get married or not develop relationships because they're not ready to get married? They, they want to go on a mission. They want to get a degree. They want to pursue a career. Has that replaced the, the, the desire to, to get married for a lot of our young women? There's so many ways to answer this question. First of all, I think as a church culture, we need to put a lot more emphasis on marriage preparation, not temple preparation, not mission preparation. Oh, I think idea. why in the heck, if this is an eternal thing that determines your, you know, degree of glory, you need to be definitely learning about marriage, healthy marriage. Second, your, our children learn about marriage by the way that we model marriage. When you have a, a mom or dad that is, angry and not happy in their relationship, 
yes, those individuals are less interested and let feel more fearful about making a commitment to marry. They haven't seen anything modeled that's healthy. This is, I, I know it will never happen because I'm not a very great person overall, but if I ever got to give a talk in general conference, it would be this, that we need to model what our children want to become. We need to model that marriage is hard sometimes, but that also it's super fun. And we need to be best friends with our spouse. We need to be able to touch each other in ways where children look forward to having sexual opportunities when they're married. I, I think we need to focus on what we're modeling. Um, yes, there is a more of a push for, there is a more of a need for two income homes. Um, I know that in the eighties when I, was first married to my late husband and we were starting our family, we were told very clearly by President Benson to come home That's and right. not to have jobs and outside of the home. And I, I always worked part-time because it made me happy to work part-time. But I know if I had not been told that, I, I, it's very likely I would have gone on for graduate, to more of a, a PhD at that time. So I love that there's not that message being told to young women anymore. I right. really do. Thank goodness. I think it, it's mom and dads that need to figure out how each of them are going to thrive as individuals and how they're going to carry out their spousal stewardship within their relationship to care for the family and to care for each other. So true. Mm -hmm. Hey, I have one more question before we let you go, because, again, my students told me this. You have some interesting theories about ghosting. Mm -hmm. so can you just kind of give us a, like a little idea of what you think about ghosting and what the students should or should not do in terms of ghosting? Yeah, I, first of all, ghosting hearkens to attachment needs, and attachment goes back to childhood when you had you know, if you were attached in a secure way within your childhood, you're and nurtured in that home, you're able to attach securely in romantic relationships. And so when someone is being ghosted, it is hearkening clear back to those insecure attachment styles that so many people have. And I that is not fundamentally fair. That is not fundamentally fair for someone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. to negatively impact someone's attachment. That is that is wrong on every level. And so, if, so if a young man uh, goes out with a young woman and he's not interested, what would you recommend that he do at that point? Well, I think it's totally fine to make it. You know, I had a good time with you. I. I think this was really fun and I'm looking forward to our friendship continuing to grow and then making sure that you, if she texts that you do text back, if it gets to be a place where someone's pursuing you and in a way that is less comfortable than what you want it to be, then instead of just totally knocking them off, you need to be mature enough to say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm pursuing a different aspects uh relationships right now i'm not wanting to be in a steady romantic relationship with you but i do really value the time that we spent together and i learned some things from you and to really have the conversation where you're letting them know what's going on and why i hate the answer i'm not ready yet oh i just don't think i'm ready yet and 
I always come back with, well, how will you know, or what do you need to have known within this relationship or what do you need to do so that you know you will be ready there needs to be some clarification on what that ready looks like um there i could go on for an entire new episode (laughs) (laughs) it's about remember it's about the person that's that's ghosting not about you well that's it's a much more mature way of thinking about it and you've talked a lot about maturity today so yes Tammy, it's been really fascinating. Can uh, can Tom and I sign up and take your class? Do you let senior citizens take your class? <laughs> yeah, I would love to. <laughs> a lot of these, like I talk a lot about, have episodes on a lot of this on my podcast, on the Live Your Wife podcast that I do. I've got a lot of things on dating and ghosting and zombieing and all the all the things that they do now. And so, if if you're interested in listening or learning more, any of your listeners, then I encourage you to go check into that. That's the Live Your Why podcast. And you can be found on all the uh, the different podcasting right. platforms, right? Uh-huh. What else are you doing? What else can you tell us and where they can find you and what, what you can do for them? Well, I, you can check me out on TammyHill.com. I've got all the information on events I do. I do a lot of making love retreats for couples. I have a dating boot camp that I do for teenagers and a dating boot camp that I do for young adults. I do honeymoon workshops. Uh, So I do a lot of those type of events. I just finished writing my second book. It's called Replenish and it's a guide for sexual fulfillment. And it was coming out in January. I'm super excited about that. And where can Um, they get that? Is that going to be on Amazon? It will be on Amazon. It will be on Amazon. You can also again look out at my website if you follow if you're on instagram i'm on instagram tammy underscore hill underscore lmft and you can find it about everything there too yeah she has a very well created instagram page so i've i've looked thank at that. you great thank so, you wow this has just been so fun and so mm-hmm. fascinating i finally we've been able to to talk to yes. Tammy. You know, my <laughs> students my students will be thrilled we can see why the students oh, would get yes. telling us to talk so to you. knowledgeable been, so yes. much information so thank, thank you, you so much for being with us this has just been a great opportunity for us me too it's fun to get to know you and anytime you want to talk again just let me know oh i would okay. love to have you on again so we'll reach out thank you very much so and uh, you guys sign up for her class if you haven't done that you guys need to jump in in january so it's uh, her last time to be teaching here on campus yeah. you need to do i'll that. be teaching i have an online marriage prep class i'll continue to be teaching but yeah if you want to i think they're full actually but you can go ahead and get on the wait list but um marriage prep marriage enhancement those are the two classes I'm teaching live, and the next time is next semester. Wow, the last great, time. great. Well, thank you so much. And hey, guys, you can follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram sure. page. We're not the, as good as Tammy, but we're, no, we're, we're there. We're, we're trying. The, we're in the space. So it is the It's Just Dinner podcast on Instagram, and then you can also follow us on TikTok. It's yeah. the It's Just Dinner podcast on TikTok. You can also talk to us or reach out to us through our email, the It's Just Dinner podcast at gmail.com. So, uh, Send us an email, ask us questions, let us know what you're thinking. We love to hear the good date stories and the funny date stories, so you can send those to us as well. This has been great. We appreciate having Tammy Hill with us. And listen, you guys, just go have fun out there, will you?
You've been listening to the It's Just Dinner podcast, produced, edited, mixed, and recorded by some guy named Glenn. Tom and Bob's wardrobe provided by Savers and Deseret Industries. Special thanks to Sandy Robinson and Michelle Walls for putting up with these two. Be sure to tune in to new episodes every Friday for more dating tips and tricks. Bon appetit!